Uh, I want to go over a couple positives because I'm sick of hearing all the negative things about 2020, right? It's 2021. Let's get a fresh start. We are flipping the calendar year. How many people made a New Year's resolution? No? None of you? Wow, we got a bunch of... uh, uh, and um, unfaithful people. Well, I did. I made a New Year's resolution. And here on January 3rd, I've yet to fulfill any part of that New Year's resolution. I don't know if we could tell, but I have something called a marriage belly. Um, I got married about four months ago, and my wife is a great cook. Thank you. You can clap that. I appreciate that. We got married during the pandemic. It was a cheap way to go about it. Thanks to Shane. I got married at his house. Uh, But I had a lady in the church, and maybe you're here today, and she came up to me a few weeks ago and said, uh, congratulations, I heard that you got married. I could tell that somebody was taking care of you. It looks like you put on a few pounds. And I didn't know how to take that, but I went home a little undefeated and, uh, and looked at myself in the mirror and realized I hadn't, I hadn't worked out in quite some time, but I'd been eating really, really good lately. Uh, my wife's a really good cook, and she even got me eating and liking fish for the first time in the history of my life. So uh, my resolution, work on this little gut right here. Whatever yours is, I pray that you keep it this year. But today we're going to look at some other ways that we can reset in our lives. But a few positive things from 2020. This church, although we had to close down for a couple months, opened a new location, a building in Woonsocket during the pandemic. Thank, thanks to you guys, we were able to do it. Woonsocket now has a permanent home, and that's a beautiful thing. We purchased land and a building in Florida, as you heard Pastor Tim talk about just a few moments ago. And to the glory of God, we're opening up a building that's, that's located right in a new development. And that's awesome. We're really excited about that. And we hope that many of you do go down to help on that trip. Uh, Peru. My buddy Jeff right here went down with Let Love International. If you've been to Guatemala with us, you went down through Jeff, through Let Love International, but we sent an exploratory team through Jeff this pandemic season where he was able to go up into the mountains of Peru, preach to the people in a language that has never been translated into uh, the New Testament before, the language of Quechua. Did I say that correctly? Awesome. Uh, 250 audible Bibles were delivered delivered to the people in the remote remote mountains uh, of Peru. And stay tuned. We're going to be looking to go to Peru sometime. I'm hoping we have three mission trips this year, one to Florida, one to Peru, and one back to Guatemala. And we'll get more uh, at that towards the end of the service. But one more thing I'd like to brag on through Waters Church, because of you guys, we had 80 baptisms in 2020. 80 baptisms is a lot. Thank you. We actually had more baptisms in 2020, skipping two and a half months, than we had all of 2019. So God's working on people's hearts. Even though less people might be coming into the building, there's there's something going on in the lives of people where God is challenging us. So I'm excited for that. Uh, It's time to reset for a lot of us. We are flipping the page in the calendar year, so it's time to reset whatever that looks like. And I was reading this article last week from the World Economic Forum, and it says a new study finds that uh, in 28 countries, more than 21,000 people were polled 
86% of those people were looking for a fairer, uh, significant change in the world after COVID-19. So almost three quarters of the people polled want their lives to change. Um, don't know what that's going to look like, but they're actually calling it the Great Reset. And that's where I got the title for this message today because I know and I hope that you know that there's only one way, right, that we can reset our lives, and that's through the person, the God person of Jesus Christ. He reset history, he reset religion, and he's resetting people's lives for over 2,000 years, mine and yours. He reset my life about a decade ago, and I'm only up here today because God did that. Hallelujah. But today we're going to look at where it all started, and that's at the baptism of Jesus. Something about his baptism stuck out to me. I've never heard a message on it, so I wanted to preach on it. And I love, I love water. I grew up uh, doing a lot of water sports. I was on the swim team. I used to swim every summer, water ski. My favorite type of sports are water sports. And growing up, water always reminded me of God for some reason. Uh, we are called Water Church, by the way, for a reason. Uh, it's got to be somewhere in the Bible. But if you think about it, water always reminded me of the Holy Trinity of God, right? Water is the only element on earth that can be a vapor, a solid, and, uh, well, yeah, a solid, a liquid, and a vapor. That's really cool. Fire can't do that. Earth can't do that. Wind can't do that. But water can. So God uses water for many reasons, I believe, to reset things. If we look at the Bible, the Spirit of the Lord hovers over the waters of creation in Genesis. God parts the waters to save his people in Exodus. Noah and the flood washes out sinful man in the story of Noah. And Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine. So yes, I believe God uses water to reset things. The greatest reset of all time happened on the cross, right? 2,000 years ago, or 2,021 years ago, as history would tell us, God reset religion. He turned us all back to God because he made a way. He was that perfect lamb, that perfect sacrifice for all of us. But before Jesus went to the cross, something else happened. Jesus got baptized. Now, I was doing some research, because I do teach our baptism class, and this is a plug. We do it every single month, so you're welcome, if you haven't got baptized, to join us there. It's always on the fourth Sunday, um, right after first service. Love to see you there if you haven't got baptized. But I was doing some research, because uh, somebody asked me, where did baptism come from in the Bible? Now, I've read this book multiple times, and, and I didn't have a real good answer for it. I know that in, in the Bible that uh, the old priests would uh, purify themselves, right? They would purify themselves before putting on the holy garments. So baptism might have came from some type of purification, but that didn't seem enough for me. Why was John the Baptist baptizing people before Jesus came? It's really cool that Pastor Tim recently went over the book of Isaiah in our Christmas Unwrapped, and right here, Actually, um, Jesus and John fulfill more of Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 40. We know after reading it that it says, In the wilderness, prepare a way 
for the Lord. We know that John the Baptist was there to prepare a way for Jesus Christ, for his ministry to reset religion. It was no longer going to be about the law. It was no longer going to be about what you could do. It was going to be about believing what Jesus had already done. That's why it's called good news, because it has already been accomplished for you. But again, where did baptism come from? God, yes, because uh, John says that God spoke to him and told him to baptize. But I did a little bit more research to try to find out where it came from. And I found out all throughout the history of the Jewish people. When they were doing really well, say with King David and King Solomon, there were Gentiles, people that weren't born Jewish, people like you and me, perhaps, that wanted what the Jewish people had because they were doing so well. So they wanted the God, the Heavenly Father. They wanted to join that religion. Well, there were three things that they needed to do to join that religion. The first thing was to make a sacrifice in the holy temple. Most often these sacrifices were two turtle doves, so you had to bring a sacrifice to the temple. Second thing was to get circumcised as an adult. I'm glad we don't make you do that here today. And the third thing was a naked baptism. Really, men went with the women, men and women went with the women, and they fully immersed themselves for purification, and they were fully baptized. So you had to make a sacrifice, you had to get circumcised, and you had to get baptized. Here at Waters Church, we don't ask you to do two of those things, actually three of those things, which is great. We'll give you scrubs and t-shirts when you get baptized, so no worries there. You can laugh at that, people. We're in church. But I think that's really cool. If you look at it, that's where John got the idea. He was resetting things. He was resetting religion. He was making a way. He was showing that we were all, including the Jewish people, in need of repentance for our sins. And baptism was a way that John was going to do that. But why did Jesus get baptized? And what does that mean for us? Now, uh, there are five main things in the life of Jesus, five major milestones. We can talk about the baptism, the transfiguration, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then finally Jesus' ascension. But today we're going to look at the baptism. I think it's really cool because it was in all three of the synoptic gospels. Synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those all kind of go to the, together. And then there's the book of John, which actually gives the testimony of John the Baptist, which is a different John than the person that wrote the book of John. But what I'm saying is baptism was in all four gospels. That should get our attention because not many or all of the events are in all four Gospels. Now, all four Gospels go together. If you read the Bible, you can see how they go together. They all add to and explain each other. But baptism, the baptism of Jesus that we're going to look at right now, is in all four Gospels. So I think that's something that is of significance that we should pay attention to. So would you stand with me? We're going to read the Word of God. We're going to look at the first Gospel, uh, Matthew, as he talks about the baptism of Jesus. Matthew 3. 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. 
And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity today to speak to your people. I pray that I get out of the way, Lord, and that you speak through me. I pray anything that I want to say that isn't from you, you take it away, Lord, and add to my mouth and words anything that these people, including the people online, need to hear, Lord. I pray for your kingdom to come. I pray for your will to be done. And above all, Lord, I pray that we see and experience Jesus. It's in his mighty name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to take this opportunity for a quick water break. So we're going to look at three reasons why Jesus got baptized and what that means for us. Um, I believe the first thing actually is, and if you're not taking notes, then you can take notes. As we always say here, we pass out the paper ones on the way in. Or you can go to waterschurch.guide if you're watching at home or here and fill out the blanks there. But humility is going to be the first reason. Jesus' baptism signals the inauguration into the mission of the obedient son, Jesus, as a model of what it means to be faithful to God. Jesus is God's fulfillment of all of God's work here on earth, and that's why we need Jesus. Jesus' baptism reflects how we should walk as his followers. Number one in your notes, Jesus humbled himself to be baptized as an example of how we should walk in humility as his followers. Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus left heaven. Jesus was God in the flesh. He lived a sinless life, even though he was tempted. He taught, he performed miracles, and he humbly went to the cross so that anyone, anyone that believes can have a right relationship with God. That's the gospel right there in a nutshell. Is it that easy? Yes. Yes, it's that easy. Just accept Jesus, and you can have a right relationship with God. But humility can be a hard thing. That's where the gospel starts in our lives. We have to humble ourselves before we can come to accept what God offers for us. You know, the poet Tennyson once wrote that humility is the highest virtue, the mother of them all. And I did a little research on humility because humility isn't something that the Western world has always cherished. It's actually looked down upon. So I wanted to do some research for you on some of the benefits on why we should be humble. Most researchers suggest that humble people have a more accurate view of themselves. They acknowledge their mistakes and limitations and are open to other people's viewpoints and other people's ideas. They keep their accomplishments and abilities in perspective. They have fewer or low self-focus. Not low self-esteem, but low self-focus. Humble people are more willing to help other people. Humble people help other people. Humble people are are how we should see ourselves. Humble people are, are, are what we should really be as Christian. Humility involves a willingness to accept self-limits, and its place in the grand scheme of things is accompanied by low levels of self-preoccupation. 
Uh, also read this study from 2019 that gave the seven benefits. These are worldly benefits for being humble. Go through them really quickly. Soothing the soul. Gaining excellence in leadership. Increased self-control. A better work performance. Being more helpful. Earning people's respect. And enabling freedom. Now, these are good reasons to be humble, but I believe that God gives us better reasons to be humble. Let's look at three of those. Uh, Proverbs 3.34, the Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. Proverbs 22.4, true humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and a long life. Proverbs 11.2, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. So right there, humble people, you get God's grace. You get riches, honor, and a long life, and you get wisdom from God. Those are great reasons to be humble. Number one, be in your notes. Jesus humbled himself by walking with Christ, and we should humble ourselves. We humble ourselves when we acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. We humble ourselves when we realize that we can't do it alone. We humble ourselves when we realize that we are sinful people in need of a savior. This is the gospel. Can I get a good amen? Are you guys still with me? All right, good. Now what else can we learn from Jesus' baptism? We know that he's humble. We can also learn who he is. We can learn his identity. And this is really cool. Don't miss this, because the first time in the Bible, the first time that we see right here, the Holy Trinity manifests itself for the first time here on earth. Now, God uses, or the Bible says, behold, two times right here. Behold means pay attention, because something big is about to happen. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. As the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all manifested, all agreeing, all testifying that Jesus is the Christ. All for the first time we see the Holy Trinity right here manifest on earth when Jesus, or right after the baptism of Jesus. I think that's really important. Now the Spirit of the Lord descended like a dove. Why a dove? I thought that was kind of curious. In all four Gospels it talks about the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Well, like the Gentiles that had to sacrifice the two turtle doves, or the dove that showed Noah that land was close by, that dry land was close by, the dove represents purity, innocence, and peace. Now, this wasn't like a Cinderella moment, right, with uh, the birds coming down and dressing Cinderella. No, no, no. This was real. This was symbolic. People saw it. I believe that all the disciples that were there saw it. I believe that John saw it. Actually, we can learn in John 1, 29 through 34, that John says that God spoke to him and said, whoever you baptize, that you see the Spirit come down and descend and land and stay upon. That is, that is the Christ. That is the Messiah. That's what we learn in John. So John testifies. The Holy Spirit testifies. God testifies. I don't know about you, but if any of you got baptized and I saw a spirit coming down, descending on you, the heavens opened, and God spoke, well, that would have my attention. I might pay attention for a while. I might even follow you around for a while and hear what you have to say. And that's kind of what happened here with Jesus. 
Number two, God identified Jesus as his son after his baptism. We should identify ourselves as his followers much more than any way that the world tells us to identify. Who are we? Romans 6.3. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Following Christ gives you a new life. Happened to me 10 years ago. It might have happened to you. It might not have happened yet. But following Christ resets your life. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to have a right relationship with him. He wants you to identify yourself as a follower of Christ. 2B, Jesus' baptism was to show people who he was, and our identity should follow his example. We learn in 1 Peter, but you are not like that. No, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look, our words, like God speaking from the heavens, should be encouraging and uplifting. Our actions to each other should be helpful. That is how we need to identify each other with love and humility. More than mother, father, more than teacher, student, more than police or, or protest, or more than black or white, people need to know that you're a Christian. Do you have non-Christian friends? If you do, I hope that they know you're a Christian above and all. I'm not talking about a little scribble that you put on top of Facebook or, Triv or, or, or Twitter that just gives a scripture, but the way that you walk your lives. Do they know? Do you have friends right now that know you're at church? I used to, when I had a secular job, every Monday I used to ask people what they did yesterday because I was hoping they'd ask me what I did so that I could tell them I was at church. And then they'd ask about church, and, and they'd want to know why I went to church, and they'd look at me and think, oh, well, if he's a Christian, maybe it's not that bad. I was hoping to introduce people. I'm always hoping that God will spark that conversation with somebody, with a non-Christian. I was actually the other day waiting for some Amazon packages to come, and the lady came up, and, and I said, thank you, and I said, God bless, and she, she looked around. She goes, oh, God bless you. Be blessed. And I knew right there that that was a sister in Christ. I'm always looking for that opportunity to tell somebody about Christ. And I hope in 2021, you are too. Look, uh, we know that Jesus humbled himself. We know that his identity was, was a result of his baptism. But there's also a third thing. Jesus was committing to the ministry that God gave him, even though he knew that this was the start of the walk that would lead him to the cross, that would lead him to his death. And he was willing to go to the cross to, to die a horrific death for us because God so loved the world, he gave us his only begotten son. So number three, why Jesus got baptized and what that means for us. Jesus showed his commitment to start and finish his journey to the cross as we should be fully committed to follow him. I just found out yesterday, Shane actually told me this, but a new study just came out 
that 20% of people stopped coming to church during the COVID pandemic and aren't coming back. They're not tithing, they're not watching online, they're not coming to church, they're not serving. They were looking for an excuse. Maybe this is the great sifting that God is doing. And actually, that, that breaks my heart in one sense and excites me in another sense. Because I know God will sift his church. And I know now we have more room, more seats for more people to come in. So my challenge for you for 2021, if you don't know God, come to know him. But if you do know God, identify yourself as a Christian and invite people to come in and hear the message that saves, that will change their destination, that will reset their lives. So really quick, and I think this is all so cool. God says 20 times in the four Gospels, follow me. Has anyone seen The Chosen? I recently downloaded the app to watch The Chosen. And I know Christian shows, I'm not a big fan. I used to, when I first got saved, that's all I watched. I stopped watching worldly shows and started watching Christian till I realized that it was really bad acting and it was really poorly produced. But The Chosen is so good. They spend over a million dollars per episode. It's all funded by people like you that just want to see the story of Jesus. It's actually told through the eyes of his followers and people around around them. But there are two moments in that show that just broke my heart while I watched it this week. The first one, and the character of Matthew, I just find really fascinating in this story. Uh, Jesus turns to Matthew, the tax collector, while he's in the booth, and he tells him, follow me. When he said that, I got to chill up my spine. I couldn't believe it. But then there's another part where right after Jesus meets with Nicodemus and, and speaks with him in secret, and he invites him to come follow. Jesus invites Nicodemus to follow him. And I'm sorry about the spoiler alert, but if, if you haven't seen The Chosen, hopefully you've read the Bible and you know how it works. But Jesus asks Nicodemus to follow him, and, and Nicodemus is around the corner, and he's crying hysterically because he just can't make himself give up his title and his possessions and follow Jesus, but he knows that this is the Lord in the flesh, and he's just not ready to do it. And I know the story, I know how it ends, and I know Nicodemus is a good man, but I just, it hurt me inside because I know that there's so many people out there that aren't following Christ, that aren't following him closely. Maybe that's you. Maybe you know you haven't been following Christ as closely as you need to. Maybe that's why you're here today. But 20 times in the Bible, Jesus says, follow me. Now, once does he say, okay, stop. You're done. You followed me far enough now. No. Our commitment to Christ is on the day that we come to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. And that continues until the day that we die. It shouldn't lessen. It should always continue. We should be continuing to follow Christ more and more. We should thirst for more of God. We should step up and serve God more and more. During this pandemic, we lost a lot of people that were serving here at Waters Church as far as people not feeling comfortable coming in. Well, I'd like to challenge some of you because I see the same faces serve here every Saturday and Sunday. Maybe it's time to step up. If you don't think you have anything to offer, 
I challenge you to come to one of our Grow Track classes. I'll find a place for you. We'll find a place for you here at Waters Church to help us out. Theme today, sermon in a sentence, only in Jesus can we reset our identity by humbling and fully committed followers of Christ. Talked a lot about water today, talked a lot about reset, talked a lot about baptism. So I wanna end today talking about a little bit more water because I do believe that God resets through water. Our friends in Guatemala, Hope of Life, uh, recently actually had breakfast with Carlo, Carlos Vargas yesterday. He's the one that uh, started Hope of Life 30 years ago, where they uh, rescue babies in the third world country, where they home abused children, where they house women that were abused and, and children that were sexually molested, basically. Now, they had the pandemic like we did, um, but they also had to go through two horrific uh, floods there. They had a river that came through and wiped out 800 people's homes. Why don't you check out this video, and I'll be back in a second. Real what happened here? As you can see, the clinic is out in the back. Nothing else is going to be saved except the clinic and the church. If you heard right there when Carlos said two structures survived, the medical building and our church, God's church there in Guatemala. Now those are two houses for healing, both the church and the medical center. 800 people, women and children mostly lost their homes, but not one life was lost, praise God. Not only that, but I believe that they're only able to rebuild because God is with them, because they're closely following Christ. And I want to give somebody here the opportunity today to follow Christ. Now, we'll be looking at going back there in a few months, so pay attention for that. We want to help them rebuild as followers of Christ. 